And now, making their way into the arena, hailing from the great pro wrestling state of Massachusetts, they are the hosts of the Top of the Cage podcast. Here are Bill and Juice. And thank you again to Rich Palladino, truly one of the greats in professional wrestling and truly one of the OGs for doing that intro for us. Because yes, I am the super producer. I am Bill, joined always by my tag team partner, my wrestling confidant. He is the future booking genius and the prince of pro wrestling podcasts. He is Justin Juice Cannon. Boom. Boom, baby. I don't even know why I do the finger thing. We're an audio podcast. <laughs> One day somebody's going to see it. One day somebody will appreciate it. I mean, I do it in the videos too, but I don't know why I keep doing it. <laughs> somebody will appreciate it one day, I'm sure. Juice, this weekend was the 20th anniversary of Slammiversary. Of, of Impact in general. Of Impact in general too, okay. Wow. And I know Slammiversary uh, went off and had a lot of great matches. I heard a lot of good reviews about it. I know you had watched it, right? You Did you watch it live or did you watch it? I watched after? it today. Oh, okay. So I watched it after. And luckily, luckily only two matches were spoiled for me. And one I already knew who was gonna win, so I didn't care if it was spoiled. The other match I did care, and I was pretty upset. But um <laughs> we'll we'll get into that in this uh recap. And uh Slamversary is fun, like impact pay-per-views or premium live events, because <laughs> they have something every month, usually on like uh on their impact uh app. And then their big four, which is Slamversary is one of them. Like they got the big four pay-per-views and the premium live events and Slammiversary is one of their big four. And it was fun. As I said, like their shows are always fun. Like, even if it's not the best wrestling, it's always fun, but their wrestling has been in point for like a while now. Like it, it's a quality show impacts doing a good job. And I hope they can keep up momentum. People always say, oh, they're going to go out of business. They're going to go out of business. But I haven't heard that for like over two and a half years. So I think that's a good thing, right? Getting that upward momentum, which I, I love to see because I love Impact so much. This was not just fun because of the matches and the people that wrestled in them, people in their company, but because of what they did to really make it anniversary show. Like they were over the top with the nostalgia, but which I usually hate, but I loved it. Like um, they did Impact Originals match versus Honor No More. Impact Originals match, it was Frankie Kaz, Chris Saban, Alex Shelley of Morrison Machine Guns, those two. Aldis was also Impact Original, as we know, and married to Mickey James. And then there was a mystery fifth member that we wouldn't find out until the match. And Honor No, no More was led by Eddie Edwards. He had Vincent Into, PCO, Mike Bennett and uh, Taylor and Maria Canales was the manager of Honor No More. So who's this fifth member? It's probably going to be one person, someone who had a lot of history at Eddie Edwards. I think even you'll, you'll know who I'm talking about, but I was really hoping that because I knew this was a long shot and this wasn't going to happen. I was hoping because Mickey James, 
Impact let Mickey James do Royal Rumble that they were going to be like, we're going to give you someone big, someone that like, I'm like, I know that I knew this wasn't going to happen. Like I knew this is a 0% chance, but I was hoping it would be Styles. It's on a long shot. It was David Richards, the Wolf, former American Wolf tag team partner, Eddie. Had to be him. It made more sense to be him than AJ. And he's a fantastic wrestler, dude. He's one of the best in the Indies. And I hope that he does more impact match in the future. But, you know, I was hoping for that long shot 0% chance. Probably like negative 100% chance of AJ. But we did get AJ. He did a little video, like, package um, for them. And... You could tell, like, it wasn't just him going through the motions. None of the video packages felt like that. Him and Kurt Angles. They both felt, like, genuine. They were happy to do it. Like, it wasn't quick. They, like, went into their rivalries and stuff, especially AJ. You could tell AJ was, like, if AJ could have been there, I feel like he would have. Like, which I'm feeling, you know, he's a busy dude doing a lot with WWE right now. Like, he's got a big storyline right now. But I feel like, you know, it's definitely something he probably wanted to be there. That's that's the vibe I got from this video package. And the match, match was fun. It wasn't just the five on five that showed up. Like, uh, we got Scott Demore and commentary, but in his Team Canada get up. <clears throat> we got, um, which is a great throwback. I love Team Canada. I love Scott. Scott Demore is one of my, like, top five dream interviews. And we got D'Lo Brown coming in. And he's wrestling and he slips on the top rope. Luckily, he didn't fall. Like he just slipped like one rope down, slight little botch. You know, he's a big guy, hasn't a little rust. Gets back on, does the, does the top rope move. Earl Hebner gets in and gets down dirty and he has to pull his shirt off after doing some fighting. And it's, you know, the ref got taken out. He has to be the ref. So he's fighting and refing. And it was just fun. It was a fun match, man. And there are a lot of, like, spots like that. Like, Mickey James getting involved in the queen of the uh, mountain match. America's Most Wanted show up, James Storm and uh, Wildcat. They came up after the tag title match. Um, Luke Gallows and Anderson beat uh, the Briscoes. And they were it looked like they are about to fight even after the match was over. And then suddenly, the music hits. <laughs> America's Most Wanted comes out. James Storm's like, you did some fighting already. It's time for the drinking. We're in Nashville and they're just drinking beers. And it was like, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's great. I love James Storm. I think that's probably uh, my favorite impact wrestler of all time. He's definitely one of those guys I associate with TNA and impact for sure. Dude's a legend and also probably top 10 interview dream for me definitely have reached out to him and i will continue to i will get him on my on this podcast our podcast another match that i definitely want to talk about it's one of the two that was spoiled for me so the two that spoiled for me was the main event eric young versus josh i knew josh was gonna win so i didn't care that that was spoiled and now it's still an awesome match that was a great main event they did a lot of like homages to feuds of other wrestlers and like it was awesome it was really fun and it was but it I think people said it was like, you know, it was great for what it was. I'm like, I don't think it was just great for what it was. I think it was a great match in general. Like, they told the story and had nostalgia bombs, like, with the anniversary show of past feuds of other wrestlers, but without tarnishing their own feud. I thought they did it perfectly. And I expect nothing less from Eric Young, who is one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. That guy can tell a story with his eyes closed and his hands blindfolded and mute in like <laughs> mouth taped shut that dude is that dude knows wrestling but um 
I keep getting off track. So going back to the Queen of the Mountain match, Jordan Grace wins, and very well deserved, but I was bummed to see my girl Tasha lose. Like her her reign just started a few months ago, and not just her lose, but like so in Queen of Mountain, King of the Mountain, you get pinned, you get put in the penalty box for two minutes, and the person who pinned you, they can climb the ladder and put the title on the thingy and win the match. Kind of cool concept. I do like that Impact has some creative uh, match types that, like, I'm like, who thinks of this shit? I can't think of creative match types. I've tried. I can't think of shit. Um, but, yeah, Tasha, like, was the first to get pinned. Didn't like that. And then she got, like, tapped out, too. And I'm like, I'm like, lots of, like, people, I'm like, it seems like she's the weakest in the match. And I hate that, that the champ seems like the weakest in the match. It did give her some spots to the end and started to correct this. And I was like, that's good. She started to look stronger. She got a pin of her own. And she was one of the last two standing because we saw Perrazzo and Chelsea Green had one of the nastiest ladder spills. They got ladders pushed and they fell on the tables and it was just bad outside of the ring. And um, they like braced each other too. And like good teamwork, good wrestling there. But like it was a bad fall. I was like, damn, that's a great spot. And they were taken out. And then Mia Yim was pinned, forget by which I think Tasha, and put in two minutes of timeout. So it's just Grace and Tasha, two last women standing. They're brawling. Grace, you know, overcomes it, gets the pin, climbs the ladder, puts the title up, wins it. It's a great moment. I love Jordan, but bums my girl lost the title. I hope, uh, I hope. Uh, they get it. She gets it back very, very soon. Like, I hope they continue the food feud and like at Bound for Glory or earlier, my girl gets her title back from Jordan. That I, I, I feel like I've never actually even heard of the King or Women or King or Queen of the Mountain match. So that's unique. So, how many people are in the match? So, this one had five, and um, I'll, I'll go through the rules a little bit because um, I don't, I honestly. I knew of the match, but I don't think I ever actually watched King of the Mountain. Like, um, I think Samoa Joe was in one. I can't tell you how many. I'm sorry, listeners. Like, but I know they didn't get the best reviews. <laughs> so <laughs> that's part of why I haven't well, really got to watch any of them. But I know they exist. And I know the rules for the most part, especially since I just watched one now <laughs> like today. You start with the wrestlers in the ring. There was like a timeout box. And there's a couple refs and, and there's an enforcer, Mickey James being an enforcer in this one. And enforcing you go in the timeout. So once you get pinned or submitted, you have to go to the timeout box and the heels like put up a you know shit show. So the enforcer usually has to you know, fight them, <laughs> get them in there. So you're two minutes in the timeout box. And once you make a pin, so say Chelsea Green pins me again. Mia Yim goes to the timeout box for two minutes. Chelsea Green then is eligible to win the match. So she has to grab a ladder, put up the ladder, and get the title belt from a ref. And then she climbs the, the uh, ladder with the belt, and you have to put the belt on the hanger. <laughs> so instead, like, reverse ladder match kind of thing. And that's, you know, that's the rules. It's, you know, chaos, and it's... Uh, that is definitely unique. That sounds like an LOLTNA kind of match, but sounds like they did it well this time around. <laughs> this time, 
yeah their their match ideas are always fun like reverse battle royale that's a shit show but i still love seeing that shit show so uh that's that's it uh those are the only matches i really wanted to highlight slamversary and the things i want to talk about from uh slamversary great show and look forward to seeing what impact does next same here i i just want to ask you about this next topic that we have on the docket here what is sportster and what was their shitty top 10 uh, it's just one of those like uh, sports topic blogs you see on like Facebook and those top 10 lists you see on Facebook. So you know it's going to be a shit show before you can click on it. So I clicked on it because it said a, it's a top 10 list of um, top 10 people that need to change their AW entrance music. Okay. And okay. It got me triggered. You know I love me some good entrance music. I love me a good entrance. So I'm curious to see or hear who their 10 were. Let's run, uh, let's run through I them quick. I can't remember you, the complete 10 because the, the list had me that triggered. But All right, so let's, let's talk about the ones that triggered you, though. Ruby Soho's was on there. Why? It's literally her character. It's legitimately exactly. her character. That was my point, and that was, like, one of the first ones I saw. I'm like, oh, my God, this list is going to be awful. Like, no, that is a perfect song. No, shut up. So I'm just like, this list already is just the garbage. Another one was on there that the reasoning actually made sense, but I love the song and I think it fits him perfectly. And it's a Red Dragon theme song for Kyle. It said Kyle O'Reilly and it said Dance Away, Red Dragon theme song. I think it's a banger of a song, but they said that they've been pushing him as a singles guy, not just a tag team wrestler. And as a singles guy, he should have his own theme song. I'm like, that is a great point. I see where you're coming to. It almost redeemed, almost redeemed the list. <laughs> almost. <laughs> but uh, it's a banger of a song. Like, just change Bobby Fish's song. Don't <laughs> have a match for the song. And Kyle wins it. Because it, it just, it fits him so well. Now, the main gripe I have with this list was number one. It was John Moxley's. And it said it should get rid of Wild Thing. I love Wild Thing. I think it's a great sing-along song, which should be wrestling. I think it fits him perfectly. Also, another evidence I think that supports that this is a perfect song for him and the fans love it is that at Double or Nothing, during that Anarchy in the Arena match, Judas plays and the fans sing with Judas, as they always do. Then Wild Thing plays. Fans thing, sing with Wild Thing. Now, they brawl into the entrance, so they keep playing the song over and over again for 10 minutes. Do you know how many times does the crowd sings Wild Thing? All 10 minutes. All 10? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, all 10 minutes until they stop. I think I, I eventually gave up because it was going right too long, but I sang it probably four times. It is a banger. It fits them perfectly. That is brawling music. That is wrestling music. That is stadium music. That is music for the fans and for the wrestler. It is fun. It is perfect. I, I honestly think it's better than unscripted violence. The list said, oh, his former music was better. I'm like, that was good. But, like, I don't think it's better than a wild thing. So it that, that was the number one thing that triggered me about the list. And I need to stop thinking about this list. <laughs> Sports to listen. Wild Thing is indeed a great theme song for John Moxley. He is legitimately the Wild Thing. He is the ace. He is the closer. Likely going to be your next AEW World Champion, and I am totally fine with him keeping that theme song. 
Sportster can go fuck himself. <laughs> we're burying you, Sportster. You're probably you're way bigger than we are, but we're still burying you. Yeah, they probably didn't watch Double or Nothing. Like they probably don't know AW is WWE clone. They probably think. Well, speaking of WWE, the Money in the Bank pay per view or premium live event. Sorry, can't call it pay per view. Is upon us. It is coming up. In just a short amount of time. Will it already have released by the time this episode comes out? No, no. This comes out Monday, right? Uh, Money in the Bank is July 2nd. Ah, okay. So on July 2nd, Money in the Bank is going to be emanating from... Where in Vegas is it? I know it's in Vegas. MGM Grand Arena. Oh, that's actually a nice arena. Are you going? Yes. I got great seats. Even better seats than when I went to Double Nothing. So I'm pretty excited for it. Even though one of the matches I was excited for most got canceled because Rhea Ripley had to get hurt. (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely one thing about coming into Money in the Bank. A lot of WWE stars are hurt. I mean, Cody, Rhea changed a lot of plans, I'm sure. Wrestlers in general are, because also you can tell Threndor has been hit like hard by these injuries because AEW has even more injuries. Yep, Danielson, I mean, you can punk, you can say MJF is just not available. One of the things that you had brought to our list or our attention for this episode is talking about a Mount Rushmore of Money in the Bank ladder matches. Now, the Money in the Bank ladder match originated at WrestleMania. That was WrestleMania 21, I believe. You are correct. And after WrestleMania 26 or 7, did it stop being at WrestleMania? Not positive which one. Um, It's one of the two. Now they have Money in the Bank as their own standalone pay-per-view. I myself have actually been to one of those pay-per-views. It was the one that Seth Rollins won, which was kind of cool. That was one of the best ones, too. I I agree. I think it was definitely a cool one to to be at. We want to get into the Mount Rushmore of Money in the Bank ladder matches. So how do you want to do this? I know we've done Mount Rushmore's a few different ways in the past. We can go one and one, all four at once. We can trade off. I'll start, and you can go. I know in the past we've done some Mount Rushmore like drafts, so like we can't copy the other one. Um, this isn't like that. We can repeat. So if we have the same number one, that's fine. If we have the same four, four which I don't think we will. But uh, I'll, I'll get it started. The first one I have is the first one, is WrestleMania 21, Edge winning. It was so successful that they kept doing it, and it was just chaos. And it, it was just pure chaos, and it really made Edge even take him stepping bigger. It was Chris Jericho's brainchild. Uh, Shelton Benjamin just that was the start of him being a money of the man hero without ever winning it which is dumb he should win it you should just have him win now <laughs> he's injured but just just have him win <laughs> I'll carry him dude I'll be there I'll I'll like pick him up and carry him up the ladder <laughs> fair enough fair enough so I think for me I also will say that one um, I, I think it just really set the tone for the style of match it is. And I think in history where it sits with Edge's first initial cash in, again, just really prove the concept of what Money in the Bank was about, how it can be used, and how it literally changed the landscape of WWE. It changed how heels can get a championship. It changed how heels can be heels. 
there's really not much more to say about that. It was a great match, a lot of fun. Um, the high spots were great. The crowd was great for it. I think it proved to be a success right from the start, and that definitely deserves to be on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, and it was just a star-studded cast. Like, I was just looking up to see the other three. So I said Edge, I said Chris Jericho, I said Sheldon Benjamin. Chris Benoit was in it, and Christian with Tyson Tomko and Kane. So the the six, uh, Tyson Tomko wasn't the competitor. Those, that's a great six guys to have in that match. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Especially Sheldon, hero. <laughs> All right, Juice, hit us with your number two. My number two is WrestleMania 23 which is when Mr. Kennedy won. And that was just a banger. Like, and that was when he threw um, one swaggle off. Uh, it was just, it, it was just, again, chaos. And I love Mr. Kennedy. So it was really started from getting pushed. And sadly, uh, Sadly, he wasn't able to cash in because he got hurt during the match, and he had a match with Edge, and Edge, like, after, and Edge took the case from him, got it again, and um, I'm bummed that he never turned into a world title thing. It, it, almost, it almost made me take it off the list and replace it with one of my honorable mentions, which I'll just give in. It was, it was well, I'll, I'll say which one. I left off my top five that I almost put instead of this one. And it was the one that you were at. It was the Seth Rollins winning Money in the Bank 2014 ladder match. Um, that's my top honorable mention that almost took overtook this one, but I decided to stick with this baby. It was it was fun. It was fun. That's all I can say. I can't really call out spots because it was a while ago. But I mean, I, I remember after. I think right before Money in the Bank 2019, I decided to watch every single Money in the Bank match, and that's the last time I watched it. Um, it was probably like a two-week period where I only wa- just watched money, all the Money in the Bank matches before Money in the Bank 2019. Yeah, I will say that that Money in the Bank is definitely making my Mount Rushmore being the 2014 Money in the Bank ladder match. Just being there was a lot of fun. I thought it was really nice. It was the kind of the culmination of authority, Seth. It was the Kane comes out, interrupts, holds the ladder for Seth. Seth climbs it, wins it. You think Dean Ambrose is going to win it at one point. But yeah, it was that one was really fun. Even the show overall was really fun. Like my dad, who like like watches wrestling or watched wrestling in like the 80s and 90s. Even he came away from that. was like, wow, that was a really fun event. And, and it was. But yeah, I think that that deserves to be up there. And again, kind of just what happens with that money in the bank briefcase. You get all the shenanigans between Seth and Dean really like culmin- really elevating their feud, giving Ambrose like some wacky fun things to do and ways to mess with Seth. And then at a time where everybody didn't want either Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns to be WWE champion, you insert Seth Rollins. You insert the guy that's coming up, guy who's killed it for the past like year and a half and does truly deserve to get that 
top prize and the biggest heist of the century. My opinion, like a top three WrestleMania moment at that point too. I I think that that one definitely makes my money. That one definitely makes my money in the bank, Mount Rushmore. Uh, and I also want to say too, I guess I'm just going to jump the gun here that I also am going to put the WrestleMania 23 one on there. Uh, if you listen to this podcast regularly, you know, WrestleMania 23 is my favorite WrestleMania. So of course, any match that has guys like Edge and guys like Mr. Kennedy, I was a big Mr. Kennedy fan as a child. It was Edge, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, uh, King Booker, Matt Hardy, Finley, and CM Punk. Like, all of those guys I'm huge fans of. I think all of those guys legitimately at the time, like, as a kid, I was like, I want any of these guys to win. I love all of these guys. Like, you know, I, I think that it was awesome to see Punk win two times later in his career because I, I don't think that at the time I was like all in on Punk, but getting to see him fight a little bit more on WWE CW made me more of a fan for sure. But I really wish we could have seen what would have happened with Mr. Kennedy if he didn't get injured or did he get injured or suspended? Didn't he get like a, like a violation and wellness policy against him too? I thought I was injured, but I might be thinking of what they said storyline wise. They might've said like he's injured, but he actually got suspended. Might've been injured and got suspended later. Um, if you know, let us know. Um, I, I kind of forget. And also we can look it up, but <laughs> I thought it was, he was actually injured. That- yes, because of the injury extended he sustained during his match with Edge, it was revealed that his right tricep muscle tore off the bone and he would be out for a minimum of five to seven months. <laughs> Mr. Kennedy. All right, Juice. So what do you got as your next on your Mount Rushmore? So my, my next one is, uh, it's a recent one. And this is tough, like... I almost want to pick 2014 over this one. There are a couple other ones I almost want to pick, like uh, CM Punk's win at WrestleMania 24. I almost want to pick over this one, but I really love this one. And it was last year's men's match. It was the one that Big E won. And I just thought it was really well done. I thought they did some creative spots that I've never seen before. And I think that's really hard to do when you're in this many ladder matches, when you can still do things that, you've never seen before in a money make ladder match and it's this far in his iteration that's really impressive that needs points biggie winning was the right person to win it was just a heartfelt moment and also getting it over like kind of seth rollins feeling cheated and using that storyline to get seth rollins his eventual uh shot at roman reigns and um it was just really well done and also making it seem like the riddle could, could win and like so many people uh, there were multiple guys that had a chance at winning like it was really well done it was fun and it and we were there for i think a big reason why i'm partial to this one is that we were there for the cash in me and you both uh on raw biggie cash in on lashley so uh, that's another reason why the ladder match is high in my memory because like that the cash in that came a few months later was uh Oh, the pop is awesome. Like, he needs a he. I hope he gets the title back, even maybe get another money bank ladder match win in the future. Uh, I hope he's, I know he's out for a while with that scary injury, but he got the brace off recently. So awesome. So, love you, Biggie. Love that match. And that's my number three. 
Yeah, I know this this will be my number four, but I definitely am torn between the two that you said you were torn between, and that is last year's with Big E winning and Punk's first victory at WrestleMania 24. I think in history, I'm going to have to give it to the WrestleMania 24 one. I, I feel like mine is very heavy towards like the beginning four, five, whatever number, and then I only really have the one from 2014 because – there were a lot of high quality money in the bank ladder matches that were produced between these WrestleMania 24 and uh, the Big E cash in or the Big E win rather. In, in terms of impact, I feel like Big E's cash in was a lot more impactful because we were there. But at the same time, I think that the CM Punk win at the time was a great decision. I think it was an awesome cash in. I think it solidified Punk as a top guy. I think that it really solidified just what we were going to be seeing for what that was in 2008. And now it's 2022 and he just won AEW's world title. Like, you know, setting the precedent 14 years later that CM Punk is here to stay a great sports entertainer. And granted, he did walk away, take his ball and walk away for a long period of time. But I love the best in the world. I love the chick magnet. I love CM Punk. And I'm going to have to say WrestleMania 24 rounds out my Mount Rushmore. That's fair, man. And I love that in that match, I remember WrestleMania 23, he came he, he came closest to winning, I think, even more times than Kennedy. I think, he, I think him and Kennedy were the last, like, two. Like, I think, I, I, if I remember correctly, like, Kennedy pushed him off. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I know I, I know Kennedy pushed off on Spoggle too. But um yeah, he, yeah, I did. It is um they did a little a few hints during 24, like homage, even though Kennedy wasn't in the match, like huh. Well no, Kennedy was in the match. He was in the match. Yeah. Cause he was going on like, oh, I, I'm gonna win two in the back, and they redid that moment, but this time punk came out on top. Almost like got myself there. Um yeah, it was just it was really cool, like referencing back to the other one and just full of like creative spots. And also what you said, it was like a, it was one of the biggest, debatably the biggest rust uh, money bank line match history wise. And part of me feels silly leaving it off because of that. <clears throat> I think it probably is the most impactful, but I think I'm just going to like what I had the most fun watching. And the four I picked are the ones I had the most fun watching in my, my fourth and final is this one's my favorite actually this is um it's one that a lot of people like but a lot of people don't put as their number one because of one fact and that was all heels it was all heels no faces it was uh 2013 money mcclare match smackdown uh damian sandow wins and i just love it because you know i'm i'm all about my heels and i love the cheap tricks i love the shenanigans the strategies uh multiple people got in the managers involved it was just it was money makes always chaos but this was this wasn't just chaos this was um undoctored mayhem this was oh this is blast this is not just one of my this is not just my favorite money make ladder matches this is one of my favorite matches period i love this match and um sandow sandow's a chaotic guy local guy so him winning was kind of cool even though he never like really (laughs) 
got anything from it. LOL, Cena wins. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, still, uh, it, it was it was cool to see him get the win, and um, yeah, it was just chaos. And I remember like Jack Swagger and Jake, or aka Jake Hager now. He's no. one of the wrestlers I hate most in wrestling, and during that match, like I saw it years later. Like I said, that first time I saw it was 2019. And I'm just booing them, man. And I like despise Jack Swagger. I don't know why. And is it him doing his job? No, uh, being a great heel. No, I think I just don't like him. But I don't, I don't know. Uh, he was very good at working that because a lot of people didn't like him. And in that match, and I'll, I'll give it to him. This is one of his most well done matches. And um, the manager he had, who's the dude with like the crazy mustache? Zeb Coulter. Yeah, on, Zeb juice. Coulter. Zeb Coulter. Zeb, yeah. Zeb, Zeb was great, too. <laughs> like, Don't do my boy Dutch like that, either. Don't do Dutch like that. Sorry, bro. I you were a wrestling historian, Juice. Uh, when you're associated with Jack Swagger, I tend to just, like, nod off. <laughs> so that means that you don't like the wizard. Mm. All right, never mind. I just don't like Jack Swagger. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Well, you can let us know on social media what you think your Mount Rushmore of Money in the Bank ladder matches are. Uh, I think also, just as a quick last honorable mention for me, the Daniel Bryan winning one. Um, I believe that was 20... 2011. 2011, yep. Uh, that one was also a really good one. And I think same argument as Punk, really big catalyst for putting Bryan into the main mm-hmm. event scene and proving now 11 years later for that one why we all love Bryan Danielson so much. Moving on to talking a little bit more about AEW, we are going to transition into our fantasy booking segment. How would you book them? Where we strap on our fantasy booking hats for Storyline Dreams and so a writing team will hire us. I think this is a really cool one. I think this is an interesting one. You know me, I love spooky shit. I love great characters in wrestling. And you often see the House of Black be compared to the likes of The Undertaker in terms of spooky shit, in terms of light out, lights out moments, and AEW is pretty focused on that in-ring drama and storylines. So I, I like how you said, let's get creative. Let's book a creative feud here. So what would be a creative feud for the House of Black that is comparable to the supernatural storylines of the past? similar to the undertaker and so i feel like aw usually keeps it pretty grounded and uh, that's one thing i said like it's really more about the in-ring stuff and um they don't get crazy which is fine that's their style they should um but house of black i feel like it's one that i kind of wish they would and i hope they do and push kind of push that push that limit push the limits uh get don't get silly because it's a dark, serious faction, but get, get unrealistic, get, get creative. And um, I was kind of, there's a few th- uh, things I was kind of bouncing between, but I'll just stick to one. I do House of Black versus the feud against Sting and Darby. Premise of this would really focus around that part of the house always wins. Now, not, I'm not really speaking to matches wins, but just like I'm speaking how they say it. It's 
the ma- they don't always mean they win the match. They mean they win the psychological game. They, they get what they want. And sometimes what they want isn't a pinfall. Sometimes it's a person or sometimes it's just a change in a person's behavior. It can be a multitude of things. So for this, I really want Malachi to get psychological and play with things of the past of both Darby and Sting, get some rafter moments, maybe do some like stunt shit that like, I don't know, like I, I don't want to get dangerous. Like do do it all safe. But um if like something like one of them just like levitated down <laughs> and like flying down and safely comes in the ring, like they're flying and shit and just fucks with them and then that'd be cool. And I, this isn't the most thought out one, I'll be honest here, but um Moments like that, lots of blackout moments, lots of Sting pulling off masks of himself, uh, lots of stuff like that. Also, I want a lot of those video packages of Darby, the black and white ones where he's stapling like the pictures of face, skateboarding, get hit by cars and shit like that. Like, I want both of them using those in vignettes and not just using them against each other to play the psychological game, but invading them. So I'd love maybe like a cinematic, a quick cinematic spot where it's Darby's doing it and he's trying to get in the mind space of House of Black and suddenly the camera stops and Darby, who's usually always cool-headed, says, "What? what's happening? What the fuck? This isn't, <laughs> maybe even says the camera guy's name. And then the, the camera turns back on, House of Black is there and... They just brawl and you do some crazy, like you, you, you pull out the budget for this. You do some movie magic. You do some, I don't care, like really crazy shit, like get into it. Like even fake, like something that looks like, oh, he just killed them for real. Like he just buried in an actual grave or like hit him in the head with like a shovel, like get intense, get like gory obviously i don't want anyone like seriously hurt just like like i said you can use the movie magic for this you don't need actual blood spots and then even like have like actual like you know cody was a headshot he had like the scar um even if they don't actually do it you have like the shovel spot like that's like it stays there for months not just weeks like all while stuff like that really get dark and gritty but also silly at times like the sting mass reels and stuff like that I'd like House of Black. We saw Chris Jericho play with the fireball. I like high, I want House of Black play with some fire too, but I want to do it more like remember Randy Orton lit the casket on fire. Mm-hmm. I want moments like that in front of the crowd. Really, what the fuck moments, both from these videos and both from live. Do it safe, of course, and controlled. I want. Just multiple what-the-fuck creative moments that furthers the feud. And match-wise, I want House of Black to keep winning at first, like winning the matches, really getting in the minds of Darby and Sting and almost forcing them to, you know, bicker among themselves and hint to a breakup. Then I want to get to the end of the feud doesn't matter. It has to be pay-per-view, but I don't really, it doesn't really matter which one. We'll say, 
let's say Revolution. Let's say let's the first one that Sting wrestled in. They finally get the win. Dari and Sting. You think the feuds come to a close. And on TV, House of Black approaches Sting and will say that the reason they won the match was because of Sting. An old man won the match. And say House of Black kind of alludes to that and they keep going about it. And Darby and Sting seem like they got House Black behind them. They're rolling with tag wins. They get a tag title win. Oh, not tag title win. They get tag title opportunity. And kind of like the Jungle One match, uh, they lose and Sting turned. It looks like Sting's about to turn on Darby. And it's a moment like we're all, they're hinting towards Sting turning on Darby. And then the lights go out. House of Black comes. You think the House of Black's going to help Sting take down Darby, but they attack Sting and Darby finishes them off. And it's Darby. Yeah, yeah, it's a little flipperoo. I think you have to do it. And that's how it ends. And Darby and Sting then starts a feud and Darby joins the House of Black. (laughs) I think that would be a very good storyline. I think that if they, I think all people involved could tell that story really well too. And I feel like that's really possible. Like, I, I don't see that not happening, at least. For mine, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if I have one that's as in-depth and well thought out as yours is. Because there's really two that come to mind for me. The first is the House of Black feuding with the Elite in some way, shape, or form. And that would be more of them doing spooky shit to the elite. Like Matt and Nick Jackson are pretty good at breaking the fourth wall. I mean, they have BTE. I feel like you could even like leverage BTE to a point to kind of enhance some of the spooky shit. You could have House of Black just interrupt promos or, um, you know, any anytime like the Bucks are mentioned or anybody in the elite is, is mentioned or on TV, there might be like technical glitches or, you know, like the audio might might buzz out or maybe you might hear like somebody say something, you know, like you might hear like Alistair or uh, Malachi's voice. You might hear, um, you know, like like Buddy's voice. Or you might hear like Julia's voice or you might hear Brody's voice. Like somebody just like saying something about the people in the ring or in the match. And then like you could have like lights or vignettes or screens show up during the match and just have them do some other spooky shit like that. Kind of culminating into like, like the young bucks or the elite just being like okay like what is happening like just like straight up being like this is spooky like this is something that we've never seen before on our show like you know like who's booking this tony what's going on you know like just them being so like over the top like okay like everybody else is seeing this too right sort of (laughs) but like the house of black just continuing to get more and more and more and more spooky until it finally like culminates to them like meeting in the ring and I don't think that there's anything that the House of Black would take in terms of person-wise. I think it would be the titles, especially now that the Young Bucks have the titles. I could see them doing Malachi and Brody, Kings of the Black Throne, uh, being the ones to dethrone them at that point. And it would be more of a psychological dethroning because the Bucks are always known for being well technically sounded in the ring, having great quality matches. But... I could see that being kind of the the mind games, the spookiness, getting into the Bucks' heads, 
and um, you know, them being the ones to dethrone them at that point. The other one I was thinking, and this one's a lot more long shot, is you just go full spooky. Like you just go completely both sides of this feud go spooky. You have the House of Black. You have some form of a rebuilt Wyatt family. Uh, you know, you can bring in Redbeard. I wouldn't say bring in Sheer. Obviously, you have Bray or Wyndham. I, I, I would imagine that he would probably be just like Wyndham or Wyndham Rotunda at that point. But uh, maybe you give him another wrestler or two, maybe like somebody he has history with, whether it is, you know, on WWE television or just somebody that he's close with. I mean, you could even have, um, you could even have his wife. She used to be a personality on WWE TV, so she's not unused to being in front of a camera or cutting promos or anything like that and like i said you just go full spooky like just let bray wyatt and malachi black tell a story of their rivaling factions you know like let them just be like (laughs) like let them be the crazy cult leaders that are just trying to outdo each other you can have the vignettes. I think creative vignettes, like you were saying for your fantasy book, would be really interesting in this because of the caliber of mind that would be associated with it. Like, I Bray Wyatt is one of my favorite wrestlers that's existed within the last five years. I think that his mind for the business and how creatively he told stories in the ring and outside of the ring is just phenomenal. I'm really sad I don't see him on my TV currently in any way, shape, or form. And I think that even if they did do like the split personality thing and like, yeah, that would kind of be copying WWE, but like, I I think like wherever Bray or Wyndham goes now, like that's going to be associated with this character, you know, like I feel like he would tell a story or have a character creative enough that would incorporate elements of the fiend of cult leader Bray Wyatt of Firefly Funhouse Bray Wyatt and just bring the spooky shit to life. And I don't really know how I would like book a feud for them. I think it would just culminate with, with Bray Wyndham versus Malachi and just like their factions on the outside and they just have some shenanigans happen outside the ring at some point. And then, you know, they, then the, the two leaders finish in the ring. I like that. And uh, one vignette I, I have idea I have for your, for the black versus Wyatt is um. House Black loves doing their promos in like, you know, complete black room and their black suits. And then they eventually like fade into the black at the end. So they're doing a promo directed at Wyatt, calling some shots at WWE and stuff like that. And um, suddenly you see like a flicker of light and then you see more and it's fireflies. And they're getting fucking, you usually don't see them shook. They're getting shook. There's a little fire. And then you suddenly hear laughter and it's girl laughter. Let's say sister Abigail reference as they're they're <laughs> The fireflies and the laughter is driving the fade out as they do, but more like they're freaking out. Like they don't freak out, but why it's getting in their head. And that's how it ends. And just like, you see Murphy get pulled. Well, let's say they're not fading out naturally. Like they're freaking out, but then they get pulled. They get pulled by something. And then Brody King, a big Brody King gets pulled. And Black's like, you can't get out of my head. You're not going to get me. And suddenly like he's looking in the direction of where his buddies are pulled. And then he looked in and he finally, he suddenly just stops mid-sentence, turns around back to where the camera is. And then just a centimeter apart, it's Wyatt and him face to face. And they're like, boo. And just boom, it's dark. 
we're here. I could see that. That would actually be really cool. I think that could be a, a really fun thing. I see, like, now I just want that feud. Now I thought of it, and now I just want it. Book at AEW. Yeah, hires me hires me as a match producer. I'll produce a feud, dude. And just hire Wyndham already. Mainly that. Mainly that, I agree. And to close out the episode tonight, we are starting a kind of new, kind of old segment. It is going to be the Indie Star Spotlight, where, like the Young Stud Spotlight, it is focusing on wrestlers currently in the industry. However, there's no age limit. It is only that they are true indie wrestlers. So that means that they are somebody that has not been signed to a major company unless they did get some form of no push or notoriety out of it. And Juice, I think the one that you brought up is definitely timely, to say the least. So why don't you uh, go ahead and tell us who you picked for the first Indie Star Spotlight? So I picked Gregory Sharp. And, uh, he's a West Coast wrestler. I was first introduced to him at an FSW show. It's FSW's out in Vegas, promotion out in Vegas that I write for. And, um, you know, main the only main one I've been going to. And it's, they do a great job. They just had their 13-year anniversary show. And at the anniversary show, Gregory Sharp won the Nevada State Championship. He's my favorite guy out in the West Coast. One of my favorite guys in Indies. And this dude <clears throat> is so well-rounded. I don't know how he hasn't been signed yet. He does these wonderful promos that aren't just like really good talking but like produced really well like i think even just like on his instagram stories just like casual that he does himself and he's got this like craziness and unhinged like character that's just awesome and even when he was a baby face a hyper streak that i went back and watched some like it was cool but the character is now the unhinged crazy psycho that is ruthless and just unhinged is just awesome. Like the promos are awesome. Awesome. The matches are awesome. He tells a beautiful story. He is extremely technical, but he can do like a multitude of like styles. Like if you, even though he really doesn't do flips and stuff like that, definitely can. He did his hyper streak, but like as this unhinged character, he's really just technical and joint manipulates the joints and tries and suplexes and tries to cause as much pain as possible loves his kendo stick like this guy has an understanding of wrestling that is top tier that i think his understanding of storytelling what wrestling is all about from every single angle is comparable to legends like undertaker i i know that's high praise you know like it's indie guy like is it really that high level yes i think this guy is ready for tv and ready to be a superstar like uh, he he's i've never been this impressed by indie wrestler and we've seen some impressive guys especially like chaotic like jt dunn a past guest he's incredible but sharp sharp is my favorite guy in the indies right now and i just got introduced to him in march and this guy is bound for greatness and he's running vegas right now dude he won um the level up expo title and a anime convention for the versus company that's another vegas company he won a nevada state championship this weekend on sunday for fsw on saturday night he won a title for grapple house he won there he's the grapple house champion their big boy champion 
So this dude's running the show in Vegas, and he's going to keep running the show. He's wrestled all the world. He's wrestled in New Japan, which you can see that New Japan strong style and his wrestling. British Columbia, he's wrestled all over the place. This dude is a star, and that's where I'll end up. Yeah, I know a lot of my exposure to him has been through social media. Obviously, I have not been out to Vegas to see him wrestle in person. But no, I have seen match clips. I have heard some promos. And the character is super interesting. The person is super interesting. I think you can tell that there's a love and passion for professional wrestling within Gregory Sharp. And I don't know. Like that's Those are usually the guys that I think will always make it big. And I do hope for big things. Hope for big things for him on this podcast, too, just as a little uh, foreboding. I'm not going to say anything outright, but who knows? Maybe you should keep listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe very soon. <laughs> and I will wrap it up with my Indie Star Spotlight. And it is somebody that is a former guest of this podcast. I am going with an East Coast wrestler, at least mostly East Coast wrestler, known around New England, and that is Danny Miles. He is the current big time for wrestling heavyweight champion, current reigning, defending, chaotic wrestling tag team champion as part of the unit, mostly teaming with people like Trigger the OG, JT Dunn, uh, AC Romero, uh, Mike Verna, who I hope his recovery is still going well, and the likes all within the unit and chaotic. And one of my favorite things about Danny Miles, seeing him in person, is his crowd interaction. Like He is just, and, and I mean this in no disrespect because I would describe myself the same way, just like a meatball of a man, like a muscle hamster, if you will. He looks yeah. really good now, though. He's cut He down. does. He, he really does. He is just a, a shorter, muscular guy. But the thing is, is his in-ring style is so hard-hitting. I mean, you know, he has that Brazilian jiu-jitsu background, which we talked pretty heavily about within our interview with him. And I, I think it really shows. And I think that a lot of people who do do BJJ and transition into wrestling, like that, that training and that style really transitions well to a strong in-ring style, which... If, if you are somebody in the professional wrestling world and you are like on the under six feet side of things, having that hard hitting, you know, big move, big pop move style helps a ton. And uh, kind of like what I was saying and didn't really get into his crowd interactions. I have been told by Danny Miles to shut up or that some form of an insult was thrown my way more times than I can count. <laughs> and I eat them all happily. Like I, any, any form of humble pie that Danny Miles wants to serve me, I, I will happily put my plate up for more. And the matches he puts on, not only in, in chaotic and big time, but all across New England, every promotion that he's ever been a part of is just phenomenal. Great in-ring worker. I mean, you can tell that he's seasoned. You can tell that he's worked the best of the best. I mean, he's even talked about it on our podcast as well. He's worked with some of the biggest names in the industry, people that have, you know, be, people who, who are somebody that you need to wrestle and you, you need somebody who's trusted to wrestle within your promotion. He has been consistently chosen as that guy. And the fact that Danny Miles has not gotten that big break, you know, that big opportunity to be on some form of development show is, is just criminal to me at this point. I mean, guy can go 
guy can talk, guy can do whatever it is needed to be done. I've seen him as a manager in matches. I've seen him as a tag competitor, singles competitor, multi-man competitor, and he knocks it out of the park anytime he steps between the ropes. And I do truly believe that right now he is one of the best within the New England scene. I definitely agree with that. And definitely like him, like he, he had that like Walter like body transformation, man. Like he's doing the work. He looks like great. And he's always been fantastic ring work. He knows how to work a crowd, like you say, really well-rounded in the ring. Like, I love watching him. Like, his hard-hitting suplexes. Like, he makes slams look like Kurt Angle slams. Like, one guy I'll do a comparison for, he kind of reminds me of Chad Gable, a shorter guy that can get get down the mat, has this really technical, like, uh, almost like amateur wrestling style. But he's got the BJJ, obviously. He knows how to work a crowd, like, uh, just perfectly, like, you know, he's got him, it's like just putty in his hands. The crowd is putty in his hands, and same thing with Chad Gable. And that's my comparison for him. And, uh, yeah, both these guys, watch them. Go to YouTube, watch these matches. And this is a match I would love to see, too. Like, I don't even know who would be the face. (laughs) It would be almost impossible, like. I think I think Danny works as a face in big time. I thought he was a heel champ. Is he a heel champ? Who was the last person he faced? Didn't he face? Oh no, he faced Jay Lethal. So yeah, he he definitely is a heel. Yeah, I thought I thought he was. He definitely is a heel champ. Just, how how just dare want to I get think. to one of those shows? I don't know who would be the face. That's actually a really good point. Sharp's been a face before, but that's like hyper streak, and he works best as a heel. But I don't know. I guess it would have to be Sharp because I think Danny would be the I mean, Danny Miles' nickname is the Dream Crusher. So (laughs) I don't think you can have a baby face called the Dream Crusher. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, I don't know. Gregory Sharp's got the more like prototypical body type, like just jacked and taller. I don't know. I don't know. That'd be tough. We'll book it one day. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, for our future promotion, that'll be in the Midwest because apparently they don't have good promotions that isn't Wrestling Revolver, so. Let's <laughs> <laughs> start when I'm on Tampa. <laughs> yeah, Wisconsin. Top of the cage, wrestling promotion. Out in the cornfield. Out in the cornfield. On the cornfield. <laughs> the ring of dreams. <laughs> All right, Juice. Well, as we descend further and further into madness, um, why don't you let everybody know where they can tell us uh, some of their favorite indie stars that are in the scene right now, as well as talk about the fantasy booking segment, their Mount Rushmore, or how they feel about that sports or top 10 list. On Twitter, capital T, capital O, capital T, capital C, underscore, capital P, lowercase O, lowercase D. That's our Twitter handle. Let us know these things that build instead and much more. Talk to us. Let us know. And on Instagram, T-O-T-C underscore P-O-D, all lowercase. Yes. And as we come crashing down to the mat on this episode of Top of the Cage, we want to thank you all so much for tuning in. And if you are listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you do not leave us that five-star review, you, specifically you, that person not giving us that five-star review, will not get five-star content. And that is just a fact. Fact. And again, 
Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we will catch you next time.